Welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse Podcast, the longest running podcast of its kind. Carrying on the 18-year legacy of Army Wife Talk Radio, we have now expanded our community to include all military spouses of all branches and all components. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us as we empower military spouses to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Now, here are your podcast hosts, your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team. Welcome back, listeners. This is your Mission Mill Spouse podcast, which was created 18 years ago as Army Wife Talk Radio. We've grown. We're now serving all military spouses within all branches and all components. We're here to help you navigate this military life with resources, solidarity, and even some fun. This episode is number 962, and I'm your host, Jolene McNutt, Deputy Director. I'm Jade Fisaro, your Director of Podcast Production, joining Jolene today. We do our best to be authentic because like many of you, we pursue progress over perfection by embracing the suck. We always have your back and are here to bring you the resources you need to thrive in your everyday military spouse life. On today's show, we are pumped to share an interview conducted by our Director of Content, Kathleen Palmer, as she chats with Rebecca Emerson and Austin Carey from Exceptional Families of the Military. They are a nonprofit organization which focuses on government policy and legislative priorities, offering military support groups and advocates on behalf of families when they feel like they have tried everything and have nowhere else to go. As we jump into today's show, I want to take a moment to talk about our partners who have been joining our mission to globally empower military spouses. Our resources offer support to help military spouses conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Mission Mill Spouse is a 501c3 organization, so we invite you to join us. Donating is simple. Check out our website, missionmillspouse.org, or if you're looking for high-impact reach, email partner at missionmillspouse.org, and we'll get you personalized conversation going. We appreciate your support. Hey, Jolene, I'm looking forward to hosting with you today. But before we get too far into the show, what's new with you? Hey, Jade. (laughs) It's good to have the conversation with you today. It's nice to host together. I honestly, thankfully, don't have much new going on. Um, (laughs) You know, usually it's like, oh, it's so fun to talk about something new. But um, we have so many moving parts um, in our life right now. My husband is, as I've mentioned before, going through his transition out of the army. He is retiring. He's been in for 23 years. Uh, He is done at the end of August. And it's shocking and scary and exciting in all of the feels. I feel like I'm on a roller coaster ride. So it's really nice to have really nothing new. We are just in the groove of work and school and spring sports. And um, it's just, it's kind of nice to be in a groove and spring is coming here in North Carolina. So I am so excited for that. Oh my gosh, I know. And that's like such an exciting period of time too, where you're like transitioning out, you know, the things are blooming, you have like fun things to look forward to. So I'm so happy to hear that. And like, I can't wait to be on this journey of a ride to see where you guys go. No, okay. We'll see. We'll see. I'm sticking around 
you know, Mission Mills bus. At least that's my plan right now. And I honestly, we're not moving. We have found we love North Carolina so much that we don't want to move back to our cold northern roots in Wisconsin. So um, it's it's kind of ex- and my jobs here. And so it's kind of nice to be settled in an area and and really dig into our community. How about you? What's what's happening? What's new? We're just down here in Miami. It's so hot. Um, it's getting back into the 90s every oh. single day. So, you know, just kind of working. Um, my husband travels a ton for his job down here. Uh, so, you know, just kind of enjoying the time we get to spend together together doing a little bit of a baseball spring training going up and seeing the Mets play so it's been really fun and just you know embracing the base I guess as you could say <laughs> I love it embracing the base mm, sounds familiar. <laughs> I know I think I might have stole that from somewhere <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad well I'm not glad that it's 90 degrees I have a sister who lives in Naples Florida and same she's feeling like I can't believe how hot it already is so Maybe we'll be able to send some cool breezes your way from the rest of the country. <laughs> um, I would totally be welcome to everybody sending us some breeze. So bring it on. <laughs> Push out a little humidity out of the way for a few days, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's bad when you have to have your air, you know, your air conditioning blasting. And then you watch like the national weather and you're like, Oh, <laughs> I won't say anything to anybody else about our 90 degrees and air conditioning blasting. <laughs> right. Sometimes I feel so bad because like I'll put on my Snapchat or my Instagram story, like my pool with me sitting by it. And then all of my friends and family from like New Jersey are just like, seriously, Jade? And I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's what I'm doing today. So <laughs> and it's so hot. <laughs> I know, I know. I have but, to know, go by the pool. <laughs> yeah, I can't complain though, you know. <laughs> no, uh, a little, you can complain a little, but just it helps yeah. to have that perspective of like, oh, better keep, better not post anything too warm feeling for a while. <laughs> right. I'll blow some warm weather up to everybody else. It's that's okay. right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what friendship and family's for. That's right. That's right. <laughs> or they could always come visit you. That's always my answer. You could come visit. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it's funny because we've had such an influx of people visiting us down here and we're like, oh, okay, this is definitely the base that people want to see. Okay. Mm. Perfect. That's where cool. it's at for everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I love when we get a chance to chat. Um, as our organization has grown, so has our team. And so honestly, it's such a joy to catch up outside of our mission and just get a glimpse into your mill spouse experience, Jade. You know, we just don't get a chance to do a whole lot when we because we're all heads down working hard behind the scenes here. So it's nice to catch up with you. I know. And thanks, Jolene. Let's keep our programming rolling and welcome some of our mission mill spouse command team members to the mic. It's time to tune in to top news stories from Emma. No news is typically good news in this military life, except on the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. Here is our News 6 correspondent with this week's top stories. Howdy y'all and buckle up for this week's News 6 update. Relief for type 1 diabetics through TRICARE. Good news for military family members with type 1 diabetes. The costly Omnipod 5 insulin pump is now officially covered by TRICARE. Gone are the days of finger pricks and constant monitoring for these military family members. This device adjusts and administers insulin when needed through pods that are worn on the body like a patch. It is covered by the TRICARE Pharmacy Benefit as of mid-February. 
Beneficiaries must have pre-authorization from their PCM and it is only covered through TRICARE approved civilian pharmacies, not in-home care delivery services or military hospitals. If the device is purchased at a non-network pharmacy, the beneficiary will have to pay full price but can be refunded through TRICARE if a claim is filed. It's great news, said Eileen Huck, Senior Deputy Director of Government Relations for the National Military Family Association. It's frustrating it took so long. It has already been out on the market for over a year, but not covered by TRICARE until a month ago. It had cost desperate families quite a pretty penny, with the starter kit costing $635 and then costing $280 for five refill pods, which need to be changed out every couple of days. With this new coverage, beneficiaries will pay $38 per 15 pods, or roughly $38 a month. What a relief for type 1 diabetic dependents and their families. Here's wishing many more hours of counting your blessings instead of counting your numbers. Find out more at MilitaryTimes.com. Tax Incentives for Hiring Military Spouses Bipartisan legislation was presented in the Senate and House this week that would give companies tax incentives when they hire military spouses. If this bill is passed, it would give the company a tax credit that would be equal to 40% of employees' first-year wages. This program is called the Work Opportunity Tax Credit, and companies have already enjoyed tax credits through this program when they hire veterans. Military family advocates have been fighting for spouses to be included in this program for years. Incentivizing businesses to hire military spouses is an important component of addressing the continued high rates of unemployment within this community that sacrifices so much, said retired Air Force Lieutenant General Brian T. Kelly, President and CEO of the Military Officers Association of America. 21% of military spouses are unemployed, which is roughly two to four times higher than regional averages. It has steadily held on to this percentage for the past eight years. So far, this bill has 21 senators rallying for its approval, with Senator Tim Kaine, Democrat Virginia, and Senator John Boozman, Republican Arkansas, joined by Senator Maggie Hassan, Democrat New Hampshire, and Senator Mike Rounds, Republican South Dakota, spearheading the bill. Our service members and their families make countless sacrifices, said Kane in the announcement. In turn, we have a responsibility to take care of them, and that must include helping America's talented military spouses access a wide range of work opportunities. The military spouse unemployment rate has remained too high for too long, said Bessa Pinchotti, executive director and CEO of the National Military Family Association, in support of the bills. When military spouses can't find work, it's a problem for their family's financial stability and well-being. An incentive for companies and a boost for career-minded military spouses will only help this country, and we look forward to this bill becoming law. Find out more at MilitaryTimes.com. DOD gives flag etiquette crash course for military members. The DOD recently sent out a memo concerning flag etiquette during the end of a busy sports season. They pointed out that military members could not assist in any flag ceremony where the flag could be desecrated, including the flag trailing off parachutes or gliders and the unfurling of stadium-sized flags. While many, including military members, view these displays as inspiring and patriotic, uniformed services members may not participate directly in the unfurling, holding, and or carrying of giant horizontal U.S. flags that are displayed during community outreach events, the Department of Defense memo read. They reminded service members that the flag should never be carried horizontally, but always aloft and free, and should never touch anything beneath it, including the ground, water, or merchandise. 
While it's hard to find a member of the military family that doesn't get teary at a flag during a pregame national anthem, it's important that the flag is given the respect it deserves in honor of our past, our future, and the ones who died defending it. After all, the Star-Spangled Banner flies over the land of the free, not on its ground. Find out more at WashingtonTimes.com. This Day in History On March 13, 1964, the first televised courtroom verdict in the United States took place. Jack Ruby was found guilty of murdering Lee Harvey Oswald, who had assassinated John F. Kennedy. Ruby was sentenced to death, but it was later repealed. Before he could be retried, he died of a pulmonary embolism in prison in 1967. The jury concluded that he had killed Oswald out of grief over the president's death and to redeem the city of Dallas. It was believed that he did it spur of the moment and it was not a calculated murder. Theories, however, have always circulated that he was actually involved in a much larger crime ring that may have had to do something with Kennedy's death. Either way, this was the first murder conviction ever televised and further led to the country's fascination with trial and courtroom cases, bringing them into the viewer's living room. Not the happiest piece of history we've chatted about, but certainly an interesting one for fans of true crime drama. That's it for me. This is Emma Ty with New Six, where information empowers. Thank you to our command team for going the extra mile to bring us these encouraging sound bites each week. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll hear the interview with Rebecca Emerson and Austin Carey. We can't wait. Stay tuned. Mission Mill Spouse, formerly known as Army Wife Network, is continuing our exceptional and longstanding legacy. Now serving all spouses of all branches, we are the longest-running military spouse podcast currently broadcasting our 18th season. In fact, we will break 1,000 episodes in 2023. Don't miss an installment. Subscribe on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or catch our twice-weekly podcast on the podcast app of your choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Remember, we've been there. You aren't alone. We've got your six. Welcome, Mill Spouse podcast listeners. I'm Kathleen Palmer, your Director of Content for Mission Mill Spouse, and I'm excited to be bringing you today's episode full of empowering resources. Today's guest is Rebecca Emerson, who's the Executive Director of Exceptional Families of the Military, also known as EFM. And with her is Austin Carey, CEO and founder of EFM. EFM is a volunteer-led 501c3 nonprofit organization specializing in helping DOD families enrolled in DOD's Exceptional Family Member Program, also known as EFMP. They are both EFMP families themselves and have multiple online support groups with about 7,000 EFMP family members DOD-wide. They provide direct support, support groups, and also work on legislative and policy priorities on behalf of our families. They are also part of the TRICARE for Kids Coalition and the EFMP Coalition, the largest group representing EFMP families. Rebecca, Austin, welcome to Mission Mill Spouse Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. I know I'm thrilled to be here today. Yes, well, thank you so much. So much for having us, Kathleen. I, I will say that I'm excited to be here and um I just want to share with the audience that my son, uh, Winston, has Down syndrome, and that's what propelled me into EFMP advocacy, and I am retired Air Force and an Army spouse, and growing up, I was a Coast Guard kid, 
So um, really touching uh, as many services as possible. <laughs> wow, Rebecca, you actually, that is, that's incredible. And that experience background probably really helps your mission as well. You know, it, it's just an honor to have both of you guys here. So I'm going to start off. I know many of our listeners are familiar with the acronym EFMP, but let's go ahead and just dive in for those that, that maybe are not. So what is EFMP? Um, and I'll let either one of you start with what that <laughs> So I'll take this one, Kathleen. EFMP, it's called the Exceptional Family Member Program. The Coast Guard has a slightly different name. They call it the Special Needs Program. And it was designed by the Army in the 70s. So this program is older than I am, believe it or not. <laughs> the intent of the program is to provide support for military families that have a loved one affected by a disability or a um, sometimes specialized educational need. Anything that means they require things that are in addition to the sort of typical everyday life experience. And what the program is intended to do is provide families a safe place to be able to know when you PCS, you're going to be going to a location that can meet the needs of your family member. They're there to help you with the ups and downs of life. So there are respite care programs and a slew of other benefits depending on the branch. Now, before anybody listening gets really angry at me and says, that's not how it works. We are well aware of all of the issues that surround the program, but that is the intent of the program. Well, and sometimes intent and how it works to you. It was a very good clarification. Um, but I didn't realize that it had been around that long. That's interesting. So who exactly oversees uh, like the EFMP program? The EFMP so program is overseen by the Office of Special Needs. And this is, I would like to caveat that with the Coast Guard has their own program that is separate called uh, the Special Needs Program. And so when we're talking about EFMP, we're talking about the branches of service that are within DOD. Um, but the Office of Special Needs oversees the program. And however, comma, each branch also has supplemental guidance. So there's an overall DOD instruction that is issued by DOD to oversee the program. But then each branch of service has additional I don't know, rules regarding assignments, policies regarding um, humanitarian or compassionate reassignments, um, policies regarding branch respite care. And EFMP can actually um, mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I'd also like to mention that TRICARE has a piece of this as well, which is Defense Health Agency, because if you're talking about medical policy, you're talking about DHA and TRICARE, but sometimes people say EFMP and they mean any or all of those things. And I will briefly mention as well that we are supposed to be moving towards more standardization um, with the services. That's, it's interesting that you said that because, um, and, and as most of our listeners and readers will know that um, Rebecca has um, agreed to um, work with us on a blog where you highlight each of the different branches. And we just had a blog post that came out uh, just yesterday, I believe, on social media um, about the Marine Corps. You have a Marine Corps voice that you're highlighting in that one. And it's it's kind of amazing. But it is true that I think we tend to lump EFMP into one area. And so knowing that each branch operates under one system, but has their own, I guess, tailored way of doing things. Do you see a big difference in the different branches, the way they way EFMP is run or are used? I do, Kathleen. And um, I want to be proven wrong this year. There's supposed to be a new uh, <laughs> uh, DOD instruction coming out. 
And I'm hoping that'll make that blog a lot less um, different between all the branches, but I don't know what the DOD instruction is going to say. Um, I do know it's supposed to have more standardization efforts, but I'll just give you, you know, a little story on, you know, what happened with me. Cause like I mentioned, I was retired air force or I used to be active duty. My husband was active duty army and at the time, I knew things weren't working, right? I couldn't access childcare and I had all these barriers. I knew I was going to have to get out before I really wanted to. And I was researching Army branch of service respite care because I knew that I would no longer qualify for the Air Force branch of service respite care if I was no longer in the Air Force. And um, in my mind, I don't know, I guess I just thought that they would be the same. Um, and right. <laughs> and uh, they're completely different. Um, when I was, I would go, I had 40 hours a month for respite care and it, it covered siblings. And for the army, it was 25 hours and it did not cover siblings. And I didn't even qualify for it. We didn't even qualify for it. Um, wow. And my child has Down syndrome. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, he had a lot of needs and he still has a lot of needs and I really needed the respite care. So that was one thing. The other thing that really stuck out to me for the differences, just there's a, a form you have to fill out and it's a Department of Defense form. And I had to fill it out twice, once for my husband's assignment team in the army and then once for the air forces assignment team and that just blew my mind i i remember yeah. ask you know i remember asking the air force well why can't you just use the army form <laughs> <laughs> and then and then i looked at the form and i thought it's not even an army form it's a department of defense form oh my gosh well, it's funny. It's like mind blown, but it makes so much sense to us. You know, like, why can't this be uniform? But we all know if you spend any time in any of the branches, it just, it's simply them try to make it a little harder than it has to be. So your frustration at that must've been very frustrating to you. And I've also looked into Austin's story a little bit before, prior to the podcast. And y'all must've really gotten to a point where you're like, this has to be better and we have to make this better. And I'm pretty sure that's probably where EFM was founded. So um, Austin, do you want to talk a little bit about how EFM was founded um, and maybe take that? Sure. So in February 2020, the House Armed Service Committee had a hearing on EFMP and they had a catchy title. It was something along the lines of, are the services doing right by the families? That's not the exact name, but it's pretty close, right? So we know that Congress had an idea that things weren't quite right there. Right. And so they brought myself and Michelle Norman in as family members to testify along with other members from the nonprofit community about our experiences with the EFMP. And that day, so many people showed up that they had to open a second viewing room. And I can tell you that um, Congresswoman Spears, Congressman Kelly were shocked by the number of people who showed up at Congress because they wanted to be in that room for the hearing. And then like Rebecca, there were many people who are watching online as well. And I realized in the coming days that there were so many people whose stories may not have been as horrendous as ours, but had experienced really negative 
outcomes because of EFMP, so much so that I had messages I couldn't keep up with on social media. I was drowning, trying to reach out and contact everybody who was asking for help. And that's when I realized we need a common place to be able to support each other, but to also unite our voices because for so long, so many of us worked on things independently. But when there's one voice in the room saying there's a problem, nobody really stops and listens. It's only when collectively we can pull groups of people together and say, no, this is obviously a systemic issue because it's affecting a lot of families. And that's how EFM was born. Wow. Well, and and I'm going to ask Rebecca here if she wants to have some input there too, but like that is amazing to me. And I, you know, when I read about your story and I read about the start of all this, um, it really, you're really right about the collective voices because that's what it really does take is that people together. And something you said really sticks out with me is that you were drowning in all the, the voices. It is so hard when you are the pioneer and you're the trailblazer and you're, you're trying to start something and you want to help as many people as you can. So I think y'all did right by yourselves and then also by the people who need help by starting this program so you could actually get the support that you need. Um, And you operate on three pillars. And I don't know if Rebecca wants to answer to this, but you have three pillars that you operate on. Could you maybe talk to those three pillars? Yeah, absolutely, Kathleen. So we have support groups. So that is our bread and butter, really. Um, We have support groups for each branch of service. We have a flagship group called Family Support, which you can be any branch of service, including the Coast Guard, Um, and we also have some location specific groups and, um, some other groups as well. And I'm sure I will link the groups, um, for you guys, uh, at this, for when this podcast airs, but I wanted to tell you that, uh, the support groups, I was in the support group before I met anybody, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's where it's the first thing you do as a special needs parent is you, You might join a normal like spouse group, but you want to know about special education. You want to know about developmental pediatricians. You want to know all of those types of things. And really for that, you do need a separate group. You need a special needs focus group. And some areas have, um, you know, groups that deal with special needs in that specific area and others, you know, don't. And we really felt like military groups needed to have their own special needs groups, um, exceptional family member groups, because there's so many things that are unique to unique to our population in regards to assignments and TRICARE that other people will not understand. Um, so we have the support groups. Uh, we also have direct support and we pull a lot of people out of the support groups for one-on-one messaging, one-on-one support, People find us other ways as well, but sometimes conversations need to be taken one-on-one where we provide extra time to really help that individual's case with more details. And so we do that and we also tackle the bigger issues. So we do advocacy um, with Defense Health Agency, with DOD, and also with legislators. So we are trying to tackle the big problems as well to get policies changed and sometimes even laws changed to better support our families' uh, needs, both medical and programmatic. So prior to 2020, did anything like this exist to help the families that were enrolled in EFMP that you know about support group wise? So that is a sort of complicated but interesting conversation. So 
I had started a support group myself for families like mine at JBLM, but it was that one group. And then a family moved to Fort Bragg and we opened a group there. So there was kind of this like, I had an idea that I knew I didn't want to be alone. But then we also had the Military Special Needs Network and they had been around for a very long time. I at the time didn't know about them or I probably would have joined one of their groups. And they had been running these groups. Oh gosh, Rebecca, do you know how many years it was? I want to say 10 So yeah, 10 years, they had been running these online groups and really supporting families. And after we founded EFM and we'd been up and running for about a year, they reached out to us and said they were retiring and they didn't want to let these support groups go. So we merged with them. We folded their groups in under EFM and they continue on as a legacy to MSN. That, that is really amazing. And when I ask that question is because, I mean, the scope of this, I, the grassroots starting things at your kitchen table seems to be the way we do things as military spouses. Like you, like you just said, you had a group here and then at Bragg, you started another one. Um, and when I looked at your support groups, you have everything from family to autism to National Guard to retirees. You have a group for almost every you know, for every, like, you know, avenue, it seems to be. Um, and so I was just curious because, you know, as an EFMP family from years ago, my husband is on his 34th year of service, things like that, that, like this would have been amazing, of course, earlier on. And I know there were things to support. I just wasn't aware of them. Um, but I'm, I'm trying hard, like you would not believe to spread the word about you. Cause I think this is, this is something that is so needed in, in this community. Um, and I want to go back a little bit to the pillars where you talked about, so I know you do the, the legislative advocacy, ag- ag- excuse me, and then you have all the support groups, but you mentioned something, I think it was Rebecca, when somebody has something one-on-one, like if you have someone coming to you, do you have like different resources that you can help people individually? We do. We have, uh, you know, a staff of um, volunteers that work tirelessly to help other individuals and they have a breadth of experience in different areas. So we do try our best to like if somebody has a Navy specific assignment question, we pull in somebody who is familiar with the Navy. (laughs) (laughs) and um, can can help them and we don't know everything right so we also try to point them to official resources as much as possible that they may not know exists right so um, military one source does have a lot of information on it so we do share um, some of those resources as well as well as like other you know nonprofits um, information if that may be helpful or other organizations. So I'll just mention this too, like the Barry Robinson uh, Center, we just had a Facebook Live with them. And if you don't know who they are, they help um, military connected youth with within residential treatment for behavioral health. And we had a, you know, a live and that explained that in great detail. So Later in our groups, we can link that live or we can share that resource in a, you know, a better way, essentially, if somebody is going through a crisis like that. And we have a list of internal resources within our organization that our volunteers can pull from to help families. And uh, it really is, it's a lot and it could run anywhere in any direction. So I'm not claiming we know everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Uh, We just try our best to help with what we do know. And, you know, it is a giant void. And our ultimate goal really is to be out of business because 
we think the Department of Defense should be doing all of this. <laughs> I don't think you're going to be out of business anytime soon, but that I, I love your goal. That's awesome. Um, on a side note, I actually have some experience with the Barry Robson Center as well, and they are great people, and I serve on a couple panels for them. So it is great that you can, you can direct people to other resources because we have so many specialty areas out there, but someone connecting them, I think, is what really is needed. And I think I see that to be such a strength of your organization. That's amazing. Um, okay, so I, we're about to, to click for a break here in just a second. So um, I want to talk, what, there's one question I want to throw out at you that's not on the list, and I apologize, but y'all are super professional. I know you can handle it. But you had mentioned all your volunteers, and I did peruse your website, and I see there's an area for volunteering. Do you have any needs um, that you would like to talk about for volunteers or areas that maybe you would like to encourage people to, to seek out? Uh, yes. So we are always looking for volunteers and we have a need in almost every area. So <laughs> our, <laughs> our methodology is really to talk to the person who approaches us and try to get a feel for what they're interested in and how it fits within our organization. Uh, we do have um, certain vacancies lifted, listed on our website, and those can vary um, time to time, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. So I don't want to hone in on any specific area, um, but I will say that we are open-minded to a lot of different things. So even if we don't have what your specialty is listed, it doesn't mean you shouldn't contact us because we don't know what we don't need sometimes <laughs> and uh anyways that I don't I hope that answers it we are always looking for volunteers we're a dedicated passionate bunch and it's given us a lot of sense of community as well because it is hard for a lot of us to find employment so when you're looking at somebody who deals with a lot of I mean I left the military for this reason so you're dealing with somebody who has a lot of medical appointments and a lot of <clears throat> changing commitments week to week, what we can do is offer you, uh, you a maxi flex schedule. And that is something that's really hard to find. Of course, we all are volunteer and all, all of volunteer force. <laughs> yeah. um, but we're, we are hoping one day to, um, you know, get enough funding to pay our employees as well and be part of the uh, solution for the unemployment rate within our subpopulation of the already dismal unemployment rate <laughs> that runs through military spouses. <laughs> well, you just set up a whole nother podcast, my friend. I'm telling you right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I saw on your site. And so if our listeners are listening, I'm about to, to um, to jump in with some information for you. But Rebecca and Austin, thank you for sharing so much about EFMP. And we're coming back, listeners, so don't go away anywhere. But if you want to learn more about the Exceptional Family Members, visit ExceptionalMilitaryFam.com or you can connect with them online via Facebook at Exceptional Families Military, Instagram or Twitter at EFM Voice, YouTube at EFM Voices, and LinkedIn at Exceptional families of the military. Don't worry, as always, these links will be found in our show notes, so you don't have to memorize them or write them down. You can just click. Stay tuned for the rest of our interview with Rebecca and Austin. We'll be right back. Our mission is to globally empower military spouses with resources and support 
to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Whether you are an individual, a Fortune 500 company, or somewhere in between, join us on our mission. Make your tax-deductible contribution at missionmillspouse.org, or if you're a business interested in sharing your product or services with our more than 100,000 followers, email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Military spouses around the world, thank you for your support. Welcome back, listeners. We're continuing our conversation with Rebecca Emerson, the executive director of the nonprofit Exceptional Families of the Military, EFM, and Austin Carey, CEO and founder of EFM. Before the break, we were talking about how EFM was founded, and now we're going to talk about, and I don't necessarily like this term pain points, um, but we'll talk about some pain points and some support that um, our listeners will be uh, maybe needing at some point in their lives. So what are some major pain points for families who are enrolled in EFMP? So we do a survey every year and that survey tells us what families had experienced in the year prior. And this year's survey, families told us that they are struggling to access respite care and that respite care is the one that is offered by their branch or by TRICARE. They are struggling with the skyrocketing costs associated with being an EFMP family. So some of the things people told us are that they are facing food insecurity because of medical costs that they're paying as an EFMP family. And examples of those include the extra gas that it takes to get them back and forth to the hospital, meals when their loved one is inpatient, especially during COVID, there were a lot of rules that meant you couldn't leave and come back. So your only option was to order a meal at the hospital and eat there with them. Parking Mm -hmm. fees at the hospitals, not all hospitals charge to park, but a lot of big cities charge daily or hourly parking fees that can really add up and prescription co-pays. And so if you are a family listening, a really important thing to remember is that if you are not by a military treatment facility, so if you go on recruiting duty or your service member is going to teach at a college that's not by an MTF you're going to have medication co-pays and those co-pays can add up very quickly. And so those were kind of those overarching big topics. There were also issues locating housing that was appropriate for the families and Mm -hmm. locating medical care, both at the duty station they're at when they receive a new diagnosis, but also during a PCS. Right. And Austin, you mentioned that too, especially that, that last piece of it too, about finding care. And I actually did an interview with DHA and, and I tried to bring up the topic of the mental health providers, how we're just not, you know, there's just, it's almost impossible to get appointments. And, um, and that has definitely been something that a lot of our listeners have voiced to us as something that, you know, as an EFMP family have a concern with. Um, so how, so if these are some of the major pain points, um, what do you suggest Um, to kind of alleviate some of the stress that these things are bringing to EFMP families? Um, So as far as the mental health piece, I think it's really important that we address that. So I just want to throw this out there for you. Some of the issues that we're seeing around mental health are that the branches are trying to downsize or do billet cuts on their providers and the number of people who are working at the hospitals, while DHA is doing something where they're trying to create centers of excellence. So you have competing forces within the military where you're trying to access care. And an example of that is in the national capital region, there were mental health billets that were cut 
knowing that we're at crisis levels of um, not being able to access mental health care. So that is an ongoing issue. I will say that there are a number of other organizations out there that can support families. So even if you can't get into someone full-time right here, right now, there are some online treatment providers like Doctors on Demand that can provide kind of that bridge until you can get into see one, someone. The Cohen Center for Military Families can do the same. So there are resources out there. If you can't find them, if you can send a message to our page, someone will get you those resources. I just don't want anybody to go without mental health care if they need it. No, that's great. Thank you for mentioning those. Um, I've heard of the Cohen, the Cohen Center before, but not the other one, the Doctor on Demand. I hadn't heard of that one. Yes. Yeah, so Doctors on Demand is an online platform. It's not just behavioral health. So if you need to see someone for urgent care, you can go on to Doctors on Demand. I can tell you that um, my family has used it probably 30 times in the last year between behavioral health treatment and urgent care visits. It is a godsend. And it means that I don't have to go sit in the waiting room at urgent care. I can just wait at home and the doctor will come onto my phone. No, gosh. <laughs> right? Yeah, um, so that's anybody, awesome. That. <laughs> yes. And I know there's another one. I'm not familiar with the other one, but I know there's another online provider that does the same thing and they do allow beneficiaries from both uh, Humana and HealthNet. So look into those. They're amazing. And the more we use them, the more the DOD is going to realize we need them. And then respite care, you mentioned, was was one of the major pain points, too. Is, is there any any hope on the horizon for respite care? I know it's different across the branches, like we discussed earlier, but anything that maybe our listeners can take away? So there are two forms of respite care. There's echo respite care, and then there's your branch-specific respite care. Um, I'll speak to echo, and I'll let Rebecca talk about branch-specific Echo respite care we know is an ongoing issue. Um, Congress did pass in an NDAA and increase in echo respite care hours available for beneficiaries. We are still waiting for the DHA to implement that. They said that it was likely going to be a three to five year process to change the number of hours from 16 to the new set, which kind of seems crazy because it feels like you could just cross out that number. But I'm not the DHA. It could be far more complicated than me not know it. Um, We know that's... We know that that's an issue. We know that you are struggling and the fact that a lot of kids need nursing care or these providers have to come from nursing agencies, I don't think that's going to get a lot easier, but I would say keep trying. If you have a family that you know that also needs respite care, it is probably very helpful if you guys pull yourselves together and go to that agency because a nurse isn't going to work 16 hours a month and be able to survive. But if you can pull in four families and each of you ask for 16 hours, that becomes a much more livable wage for someone working part-time. That's good. And Rebecca? Sure. I just want to add on that uh, there was a GAO study for echo respite care also that it was being misused by the DHA. There's a blog about it on our uh, website, but essentially um, the intent was for families to be able to use echo respite for childcare if they needed it. And um, they're being denied uh, for use of that for childcare. So that is one thing I like to mention because this is a hot topic for me, childcare. And also if you are looking at echo um, in-home nursing, EHHC, that those nurses also cannot be used for childcare 
And this is a real barrier. And this is something we want changed uh, legislatively, policy-wise, however it ends up happening, because it's the complete opposite of what you're offered on a Medicaid waiver. So, for example, you know, since I was active duty, this kind of hit me in the face because if I had needed nursing care, my nurse could not come to my house while I was working or into the CDC. So you have CDCs who may be willing to take medically complex children, but they don't have a nursing staff. And then you have TRICARE on one end who will pay to have a nurse help your child with their complex care, but not if you're working. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's like like running into a brick wall on both sides. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I just felt like I had to mention that um, because we... We do, you know, you get pointed to a lot of resources and this is where the pain comes in, right? It's because right. you, you get pointed to resources, you're like, great. And then you do this research and you're like, but that doesn't apply to me. I mm-hmm. can't use that. And uh, for branch specific respite, I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm very hopeful for the standardization process from Office of Special Needs. I think if the... What needs to happen is there needs to be standardized hours and process for branch of service respite so people can access it. So providers can easily go from one branch of service to the next if they need to, because right now you are onboarded into different processes and you could be a respite provider for the Air Force, but you're not for the Army. And then you Mm -hmm. would have and you may be in the NCR, right, where you want to provide care for 10 families from four different branches of service, and you have to go through different onboarding processes. And they're, they are supposed to fix all that with the standardization, hopefully. So, you know, a pain point for that for me, like when I was in the NCR, we did qualify, which is we did not qualify for Army respite when we were at Fort Bragg. <laughs> oh my but gosh. We did qualify for it while we were in the NCR. And I found my own provider and helped her through the onboarding process. And we were there for a two-year assignment and it took over a year to get her onboarded. So I really only had her available for six months before we PCF. Um, So honestly, when I came to my new duty location, I didn't even try because I know that we're also only going to be here for two years. (laughs) Well, it's funny that you, you get well, almost get beat into submission with the, you know, the, the, the way, you know, there's all these things, but then like you just said, by the time you get the services and you're on your way out the door to somewhere else. So I can see where that would be a major pain point for a lot of people. Um, uh, the other, the other question that you made, that I, you brought up, um, the cost of e, the cost of EFMT, the medicine and, and all the things that come along with that, especially during COVID, like I didn't even think about the not being able to leave the hospital. Uh, piece that you had mentioned, Austin. Um, so what are some good things? I know we, we're, we're addressing a lot of things and it's easy to kind of get off the, you know, to get into the negative, but what are some of the good things about the EFMP program or that, you know, you want your listeners to take away? Yeah, I do absolutely want to address this because I hate sounding negative. <laughs> All right. Well, and I, I hope I didn't come across that way. No, I do. I do want to talk about some of the ways that EFMP has really helped our family. And 
really that for us, um, me and my husband, it's been with the assignments. So we have been able to get assignments where we could receive the, the required medical care for our child. And this is something that is a huge contention point for some families, but I truly believe that the intent of the program um, is to get you to the right place with the right resources. And sometimes our families do have to understand that that might not be in Guam, for example, right? right. Mm-hmm. So you may want to go to Guam, you may want to go to Germany and, um, you know, that is a dream of yours, or there may be a job that you want that, you know, there isn't care available there. What's important to you as a family? Like for us, it's uh, important for us to stay together mm-hmm. above all things. So my husband was up for a um, nominative position, right? So he, the areas that we chose, um, he still got that nominative position, but we were able to meld that position with a location that also supported our family. So mm-hmm. I, his career is still on track and it is possible to do this. So there is information on this out there. So I'm not like outing anybody, but the top general of the air force, um, general Brown, his, he was an, they were an EFMP family and he made it to four star. So, you know, he even talked about it in one of his, I, I listened to this whole thing because I couldn't believe that a general officer was talking about EFMP or being an EFMP family. <laughs> no, I believe it. Yeah, that's shocking almost. Yes. <laughs> I, I was like, wow, you know, this, I, he's talking about this and he's saying that he, you know, had a different career path than maybe some of his peers because of those limitations. However, he was still able to progress. And I feel the same way um, with my husband um, and his career. And honestly, Winston's birth, my son's birth was a traumatic experience. Um, The hospital stay alone, if we didn't have TRICARE, would have crippled us financially. We would have lost everything if we didn't have that coverage from TRICARE. So We spend a lot of time, you know, asking for some of the gaps to be filled within TRICARE, but I want to recognize that there are some things that TRICARE absolutely covers better than other insurances at no cost to the service member's family. That is absolutely amazing. And in my mind, one of those is those long, you know, NICU stays or PICU stays. Well, and I would actually agree with you on that too. And I think it is easy because there are so many frustrating things about our military lifestyle, especially if you're enrolled in the EFMP program. But I think too, you have to step back and remember that big picture and that is important. And I, you know, the, the, it, it kind of hurts my heart a little too, because there's so many duty stations that because of our situation that we will never get to go back to or go to. But on the flip side, it's because there isn't the care that we need there. And that's just one of those life balances you have to accept. So, um, yeah, I do agree with you. We've had a lot of lengthy stays and try without TRICARE, we would have also been in the same boat. So I think you're right, though, about it being talked to from the top down. 
and it needs to really come from, you know, top power positions, people recognizing this and experiencing it and actually making it, just normalizing it for everybody all the way down. So I appreciate what you said about that. Rebecca, did you have anything or... Or Austin. No. Sorry, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure who I, I was going to next, but I don't know if anybody had anything else to add on to on to that. Um, I, we are running out a little bit out of time. So there's a couple of questions I want to get to each of you on the last question. But before I do, is there anything y'all have coming up as an organization um, or a place that you want to recommend listeners go to to get more resources and information um, about your program? I would like to mention something that we're really excited about, and we are launching, um, well, we've already launched our All Ability-a-thon fundraiser this year, and I'm so excited about it because there's a lot of things. I'm a big runner, at least I was, um, and I enjoy races and things like that and challenges, and it seems like a lot of things, you know, not everybody can participate in. And so we wanted to do an event. It's an all virtual event that you choose your own challenge and you can compete and win prizes. And we um, have some great prizes. So we're giving away uh, two wagons, which if you didn't know, you might not Kathleen, but wagons in our community is a big thing right now. They can be used as a mobility device and they are very cool and very functional for certain time periods in our lives. And, um, you know, because there's a certain time when you outgrow the weight of a stroller. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, but anyway, so we do have, we have those wagons available and it starts, registration opens on March 15th and the challenge goes from April 15th um, to May 15th. And you can walk, run, roll, um, you can do aquatics, you can do therapy goals, you can do AAC device, so augmented, augmentative communication device <laughs> goals. Um, and that's we're really excited about that. So I did want to share that. Um, but everything really is on our website as far as links to our groups, links to our legislative priorities, how to volunteer. It sounds really great. And I, I love the fact that you can do more than, um, more than, you know, one different thing. I laugh because you said you can roll. I used to run. I feel like I probably have to roll now at this point, um, you know, a little bit because I think that um, the wagon piece that you just talked about, I just read an article about that. And I don't know if it was on your, did someone write a blog about it on EFM? We do have a pinned post about it and we actually are working on graphics to highlight that some more because it is a big issue right now. Um, yeah, that, that's interesting. So, so well, let me just go back to the registration for this because I'm curious. But so you register March 15th um, and then you said it goes from April 15th to May. I didn't get the last date. Yeah, to May 15th. So, um, so I'll just give you an example. So my son um, works really hard on pedaling, right? And he, so we, his challenge will be <laughs> trike bike pedaling, right? So I'll just say trike bike pedaling for a hundred yards. And we're going to work towards that goal through the month. And we'll have social media shout outs. And if you want, you don't have to participate that if you don't want to. And our um, top fundraising categories will get prizes and also our fan favorites. So like if you have the most likes on social media. That's great. I'm, I'm very excited about that. And can one of y'all, um, I, I guess, Rebecca, maybe after we get off, um, can you email that to myself and our podcast director so we can get those in the show notes as well, the link to that to register? 
Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So we're coming down to our last question. We asked all our guests this, so um, you can think about it for a second. I'm not sure who's going to go first. Um, But as we wrap up our conversation, uh, we ask all of our guests one question, and that is, what advice would you give our listeners to navigate this military life with respect of your experience and expertise? So I'll go first on this one. Um, I... I will say, I think that everybody knows we've had a pretty brutal experience with the military. But at the end of the day, my husband would tell you that we would not change it for the world. The community that we have found in the military has been the most supporting environment that we could have asked for. And really, we need to continue to work to make this process better, not say how horrible it is and give up. Because that's what I hear. Nobody wants to be an EFMP because there's a stigma behind it. But there shouldn't be. We're just regular people. I'm an EFMP myself. It doesn't stop me from doing anything. I just need to make sure that I have the medical care I need. So, you know, we talk about EFMP as if it's a bad thing. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. We just have to make it better than it is. So don't look at it as a negative. Don't think about it as a reason that you need to get out of the military. Think about it as what it should be and help us fix it so that it does create the support and the programming that you actually need. That was excellent. And I think that you really hit the nail on the head like that because I'm also familiar with your story. And um, I think that you've made lemonade out of some lemons as far as like what the military has offered. So thank you for what you have done founding this organization, Austin. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Rebecca, you've had a little extra time now to think about the question. So your answer is on. <laughs> well, I don't know if I could beat Austin's answer. That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I'll say that I'll say that we've enjoyed our time in the military as well. And uh, I, I do think that it's. I would, I would like to communicate that change takes a long time. And you, you were shocked at how long this program has been in existence. And um, we can continue to make this work for, you know, better for us and better for the people that follow us and just keep building on that. And uh, it's really important to celebrate the small successes and the places where you've really gotten some good help. And there has been some really good events that I've gone to and things that, you know, it may not be replicated at every base, Um, So I would challenge our audience that if you are stationed somewhere that I'll just give an example because I'm thinking about it right now, but Fort Bliss um, EFMP office advertised um, IEP binders that they gave out to people. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. So like, let's say you're stationed there and you get one of those binders and then you go to a base that doesn't have that kind of thing going on in their office, suggest it to them, you know? Say, hey, yeah. I saw, you know, Fort Bliss, Fort Bliss uh, EFMP had this, and I think that it would be great if you guys did it here because there's a huge need for, you know, IEP binders. Um, and I, so I put the challenge back on on us a little bit to help aid in that communication um, across the services and across the EFMP office to let them know what we need. Engage with your EFMP office. And both on the family support side and on the medical side. Um, and that'll help you navigate um, the system better, uh, in my opinion. And it might help them to figure out what people need um, and how to communicate with you, right? So if they don't have a social media page, ask them to build one. <laughs> 
say, hey, can you guys build a social media page? You know, like we're not answering emails anymore. I'm 20, I'm 25, you know, <laughs> I'm not 25, but, <laughs> you know, the different platforms and things like that. So that's, that's a piece of advice. And also, you know, I really do find a lot of value in the support groups. And I remember when I found out Winston had Down syndrome, the first thing I did was just kind of lurk in these groups and search Down syndrome because I wanted to see what people were saying about it and what was going on, you know. And then when I was comfortable to ask questions and talk about it, I did. But it was really helpful just for me to be in a, you know, private setting and seeing what other people were experiencing with a uh, with a similar diagnosis. No, and you're right too, because you do feel very much alone when you're going through this, especially when you're first, you know, navigating these waters of whatever the, you know, whatever area you're in. And so just knowing other people are out there and that you just don't feel alone. And I think you have so many support groups and I think it's amazing. And I'm sure you bring comfort um, what your organization has done to so many different people. So again, Rebecca, Austin, I can't thank you enough for joining us today um, to share these resources and a little bit about your story as well with our listeners. And as always, we thank you very much for serving our community. So thank you very much both for being here. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Again, thanks Rebecca Emerson and Austin Carey with EFM. And now let's turn it over to our hosts in our metaphorical studio to hear their thoughts on today's conversation. Power for the course for yet another excellent interview. Thanks again to Austin Carey and Rebecca Emerson from Exceptional Families of the Military for joining us this week. If you want to connect with Exceptional Families of the Military, check them out online via Facebook at Exceptional Families Military, Instagram at EFM Voice, and their website, exceptionalmilitaryfam.com. You know, we'll have all of those in the show notes. Jade, what stood out to you in this interview? I think overall in this interview, I totally learned about something I had no idea even existed. Um, I had no idea about EFMP um, families and the types of things that, you know, families actually go through. Um, me and my spouse, we uh, don't have kids and um, it's just kind of like us. Uh, so I've never actually been um, kind of incorporated and like known about these resources. Uh, so it was really fun hearing from Austin and Rebecca about um, the special needs programs, uh, support groups, and kind of like the advocacy of like policy changes and law. Uh, it's kind of shocking that there's so much on like that back burner side that none of us um even really know is going on and like that there's people supporting and trying to push these uh, important topics through to get more resources for military families. So uh, it's kind of inspiring to know that there's like teams of people just, you know, doing the good things to help all of us that, you know, some of us know and some of us don't know. So I think the main takeaway is just how important it is to be aware of these resources, which I think is so amazing that they're on our podcast today. Uh, what stood out to you, Jolene? I have to agree with you. And honestly, okay, I was, you know, 
kind of embarrassed. I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I did not know much about the um, EFMP program until like a year ago. And we've been around the block. Like I just said, my husband's retiring. So we've been around the block a few times. Um, And I honestly was not very familiar with it because we really hadn't needed it or hadn't come across it or hadn't needed to utilize it. Um, And so it was so enlightening to hear um, their perspective, both of them, they are families who are part of the EFMP program and that they, um, they've experienced some good things, but also a lot of struggles. Um, I was so surprised when they were describing, um, like the congressional hearing that they went to that it was so well attended that they had to open up more space and that the congressmen were shocked. And I'm like, I, it makes me think like, are our legislators, are our Congress people, are they, you know, spending any time talking to military families and some of the challenges that they face. And so I'm so grateful that we could hear from them today and hear how they are really changing um, the program for families and how they are really making um, longstanding change through their advocacy, um, but then also just personalized change through their support groups and their one-on-one support. I really, Mm -hmm. um, I was really like blown away by their team of volunteers. They're really impressive. No, I can totally agree. I was like sitting, listening, and I'm like, wow, that is so much work. And like how we are all volunteers here at Mission Mill Spouse, there's the same like level of love, care, and like outreach that their volunteers are doing every day to just promote and like be the sounding board uh, for these different programs and families. Um, Doctor on Demand and the Cohen Center I had no idea that those resources even existed either. I completely agree. I was just blown away by their passion. It it did. It made me think when they were talking about um, their team of volunteers and the passion and the experience that they each bring. I was like, oh, this sounds so much like I just felt like a little good feeling of like there are so many amazing military um, connected people who are spending so much of their time and their passions dedicated to really valuable, good resources and creating things, um, whether it's um, here at Mission Mill Spouse or whether it um, is with their program, um, just to be able to create longstanding good change for military families, both now and into the future. And I'm like, oh, how awesome that we all get to be a part of something so big and something much bigger than ourselves. I also am looking forward to their All Ability Athon um, fundraiser. So that's something I'm like, oh, we, I'm going to, it's, I think the registration opens March 15th. So that's this week. So I'm yeah, I saw that. that. I'm like, Dang. you can make a difference. It, you might not be able to spend all of your time, you know, volunteering with an organization for various reasons, but you could probably do that. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And hey, and like walking, you know, running, rolling aquatics, like that's something for everybody. So true. Military life resources and great people. Two of my favorite things Speaking of resources and people, this week's Resource Recon is going to be all about how to grocery shop during inflation by our very own command team member and love, Lindsay. She says, we have all been hit by the effects of inflation in one way or another. One area that has been affected the most is people's grocery bills. I think we can all attest to that. I had no clue how I could maintain my desire to eat clean, bless my family with meals they would enjoy, and stay on budget. On top of all that, I have eaten gluten-free and dairy-free for health reasons. I did not know if it would be possible to accomplish the lifestyle I wanted for my family at a price that kept our financial goals in check. 
She breaks it down in just a few easy steps. Uh, One, to plan your meals, choose meals with similar ingredients, go back to the basics, similar to above, you know, maybe doing a little protein bowl action. Next is to make it from scratch. And lastly, cut out big brands and snacky items. Good examples, hummus, veggie sticks, nuts, fruits, homemade muffins. Okay. I love this so much because uh, like Lindsay, we also eat um, gluten and dairy-free and soy-free and limit our almonds and pepper-free <laughs> from food things that we have going on in our household. My son has um, a number of food allergies and then I'm the one allergic to peppers. And so um, it, it has been so hard to um, eat cleanly and eat within our um, like dietary restrictions that are like required or we will all be very sick. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's been really hard as inflation hits us. Um, There has been growing. Every time I go to the grocery store, I cringe. I'm like, oh, and I really thought her tips were so practical that already in the past couple of days, since I saw that uh, post come out, Mm -hmm. I, um, I was like, oh, this, her blog is so good. I was like, it's so practical. And like it definitely helped me like tune up a few of my areas. So um, I'm not a good meal planner, so I'm still not great there. But I liked where she was saying, choose meal uh, meal ingredients with that or meals that have similar ingredients. And we love bowls. And so I've been able to do like, maybe we'll do an Asian style bowl and then maybe we'll do um, a Mediterranean style bowl. And I use a lot of the same vegetables and even sometimes the same protein to save on protein um, costs, but uh, season it differently. And so I've been really, I was like, oh, that's such good little tips to like, like stretch those dollars. Yeah. Help us, please. <laughs> help us in our non-prepared ways. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we should probably get moving on because I could talk about this the whole day. Our final fantastic resource for today comes from our director of empowerment, Amanda Bickney's with her empowerment patrol report, showcasing our everyday empowerment recipient. Let's listen in. We here at Mission Mill Spouse never doubt the strength of our military spouse tribe. Here is our Director of Empowerment with this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Hello, Mission Mill Spouse listeners. This is your Director of Empowerment, Amanda Bickneys, bringing you this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Today we are showcasing our everyday empowerment recipient, Julie Tully. I personally nominated Julie since she is both an inspiration and support to me. Julie is a familiar friend to us here on our podcast, formerly known as Army Wife Network. Um, And she herself is known as a cowgirl turned nomadic Navy spouse. Julie is the author of Dispatches from the Cowgirl, a memoir that captures her extraordinary experiences of living in Africa as the spouse of a naval nomad. Her book is available on Amazon and other bookstore retailers. You can learn more about Julie and her books by going to her website, juliettullywriter.com, or finding her on social media via Facebook or Instagram. As a fellow Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year base winner, Julie has been a huge support of my personal MSOI journey, and I am just so grateful for you, Julie. So all that to say, thank you so much, Julie, for being an empowering military spouse and inspiring author. And on behalf of Mission Mill Spouse, thank you so much for doing your part to empower military families all across the globe. Until next time, I'm Amanda Bickneys reminding you, empowered spouses, empower spouses.
Mission Mill Spouse, formerly known as Army Wife Network, is continuing our exceptional and long-standing legacy. Now serving all spouses of all branches, we are the longest-running military spouse podcast currently broadcasting our 18th season. In fact, we will break 1,000 episodes in 2023. Don't miss an installment. Subscribe on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or catch our twice-weekly podcast on the podcast app of your choice, including Apple Podcast, Google Play, or Spotify. Remember, we've been there. You aren't alone. We've got your six. Congratulations, Julie Tully. We'll be in touch soon. Thanks for your empowerment within the military community. As we near the end of this episode, please note that we drop not just one, but two podcast episodes per week, two in each Thursday for a shorter version of our podcast when our command team members get personal and chat about their lessons, lives, and challenging moments within military spouse life. Mark your calendars for our next full-length episode when we chat with Christy Warren, um, who's coming from the Hope for the Warriors and Military Caregiver Scholarship Program and also the Warriors Compass Program. It's going to be another great addition to our extensive podcast archive. As we wrap up, just a reminder, if you'd like to support our mission, please consider donating to our cause. We are a 501c3, so all contributions are tax deductible. Finally, if you have a resource that applies to military spouses, inquire about being a guest on our podcast. Our season books up quickly, so do not wait. Email hello at missionmillspouse.com or send us a direct message on any of our social media outlets. Whether you're stateside, overseas, or temporarily living in a hotel with your service member, two dogs, a cat, and three kids, remember that we're here to help you navigate your military life journey. We're cheering you on. No matter what you're facing, we want you to remember we've been there. You're not alone. We've got your six. This is your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team signing out. Thank you for tuning in to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your tribe and leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app of your choice to catch episodes that drop every Monday and Thursdays each week. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, or LinkedIn at Mission Mill Spouse. Snag some sweet freebies by signing up for our newsletter, The Sit Rep. And finally, if you'd like to join us on our mission to serve military spouses, consider making a tax-deductible donation on our website or email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Mission Mill Spouse, empowering you to navigate this military life since 2005.